0: Hi, good morning. Thanks for joining us this morning. Uh, My name is Greg Lois of the Lois Law Firm. Sitting to my left, your right, is my partner, Declan Gorley. And to my far left, your far right, my partner, Christian Cisson. Good morning. And if you're with us here today, it's to talk a little bit about uh, what virtual hearings mean for you. Uh, If you're watching this webinar, uh, watching this live, or watching this video, uh, Hopefully you are handling or have cases in New York Workers' Compensation Court. Uh, this is going to be one of those rare webinars, maybe one of the only ones where I actually give people some good news about something that we think is pretty much uh, overwhelmingly positive for employers, for carriers, and for those who have employment in New York. I don't think I've ever said those words during a webinar
1: before. It's usually a disaster webinar. Right. right. It's something, something really bad has happened.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. This is one of the few things that have come down in uh, the last decade of practice before the board that's actually been pretty good for employers. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, Declan and Christian are going to give you some sort of boots on the ground, their benefit of their experience and actually defending or handling virtual hearings before the board. Uh, this is totally live, so thanks for joining us this morning. Uh, if you're watching this live and not on the video, uh, we are uh, we are watching your questions pop up, so if you have questions about this, please type them into the little box, and at the end, we'll save some time. I think our whole presentation today is going to only be about 10 minutes or so to sort of give you the highlights. Uh, please feel free to ask us questions or bring up any concerns you have about virtual hearings. I'm going to start it off by just saying if you're... Just learning about virtual hearings for the first time, or if the first time you've heard of virtual hearings has been in some of my newsletters. This has been relatively, in my experience, unpublicized. There has not been a board bulletin. There has not been a statutory change. There has not been a regulation change. Uh, the board just said, hey, we're now going to be holding uh, hearings via web conferencing, and you can come to hearings via web conferencing if you want to uh, in these hearing points. Now, they are requiring us to virtually check in, electronically, but uh, some uh, carriers, attorneys, and some plaintiff attorneys are still appearing in person. Uh, this, I think, has been great uh, for us, but there hasn't been a lot of great guidance from the board, in my opinion. Nothing, no rule changes, no regulatory changes. The only other state that we're aware of, which is currently holding web conferencing uh, for workers' compensation proceedings is Florida. And Florida, you know, they actually went the extra mile, did their homework, and actually changed their regulations and their court rules to acknowledge that they're doing virtual
1: hearings. Kind of went all
2: in.
0: They went all in, I and mean, they actually wrote Can't a paragraph. Go and added into their rules New York couldn't be bothered
2: um, yeah the New York on the New York website you have to actually click on a virtual hearing pilot program logo to even know this even is in place
0: right so. which I think is different because in the past they like to announce things via bulletin right uh, or even their Twitter feed saying this has been like nothing um, and they've just sort of rolled it out hearing point by hearing point um, they have published a guide it is not that long the guide uh, there's multiple guides the one we're gonna to refer to as the guide today is the one that's been published for uh, employer and carrier representatives. They also have a video you can watch, it's excruciatingly boring, it's about seven minutes long, uh, which is intended for claimants to familiarize themselves with the system.
1: And then every time a new hearing point goes virtual, they have webinar series of their own as well. Right, right. Um, all right, so with that, that's a little bit of the what's
0: happening, but let's talk, uh, guys, about what the what's actually going on boots on the ground uh, what you're seeing and how it actually works
2: so no longer can you just uh, appear a hearing point and say I'm here and walk in the hearing point and have the judge call your case you actually have to virtually check in as they call it so you have to even if you're in court uh, the first time I had this happen I was up in Poughkeepsie I went in and I had been doing virtual hearings for about a month and didn't realize that oh I have to bring a laptop with me to actually sign in so even though I was in the hearing point and there was two women, very friendly women at the front desk they Basically set up. You're on your own. So I had to go on my uh, cell phone and actually check in and virtually so that the judge who was sitting up in uh, Menands would know I was there.
1: There are some technical technological requirements about it. You know, Wi-Fi speed uh, and certain uh, capabilities with your operating system. Uh, so that's certainly something to watch out for. Uh, I've seen attorneys go in to attorney rooms, and then go battle with each other with competing laptops, uh, which is kind of interesting and sad at the same time, Um, but the virtual check-in is certainly something that they're going to push just to, I guess, lessen the load of the customer service representatives at the hearing point itself.
2: And then the primary change I see is as far as when you go to a hearing point, you usually be able to talk to your adversary before a hearing that's kind of been done away with in the past two weeks I've noticed that now when you check in when someone signed in it gives their phone number which is a great idea because before it was like you, you knew who was on there but the chance of getting in touch with them was, was non-existent now you have a cell phone there you can call them and maybe they'll answer and talk to you so um, the whole idea of talking to people off calendar and having an idea of what what's gonna happen before you go in there is uh, been removed I think so far I was that's gonna lead to more point, litigation I think
1: it actually in- emphasizes the the value of doing something in between hearings, right? Or before you get there. I think a lot of people say, okay, well, we're having a hearing, go, go do this at a hearing, or we have that mindset of we're going to do a certain uh, particular act at a hearing with the adversary there. And a lot of adversaries really don't do anything in between. So I think uh, it certainly emphasizes the between hearing uh, contact that you can have.
0: Right, and that's new. When they first rolled out the system, they weren't publishing your adversary's phone number.
2: No, that's right. only been the last, I think, two weeks I noticed it for the first time. So right. this has been going on, what, seven months now?
0: Right, right. Um, all right, and so now let's say you've checked into your virtual hearing. You're the advocate for the carrier, the employer. What happens next? And and it, I think it's important also to mention that it's not just because you've checked in doesn't mean that's when your hearing starts.
2: Right. right. So it'll tell you your time and then there's a little button you could sit there for half an hour before the judge will actually call your case it's kind of the same as being in a, in a hearing room at the hearing point where you're kind of at the judge's discretion to when he's gonna call the case but um, you could sit there and on the screen a green button will pop up that says your hearing is beginning in 20 seconds and then within 20 seconds uh, you have to click a button to log in and then you can dial into the conference so it's pretty the screen steps want the prompts once you are your hearings beginning are pretty quick and self-explanatory for the most part. I
1: think the time aspect is certainly interesting too, because they do give that caveat of saying if you're not around to actually go into the hearing, even after you've checked in, and 15 minutes has passed from the start time, then they could actually call the case without you. <laughs> so uh, you know, think about the, the the mill attorneys who have 20 files in the same hearing point. Virtual is probably not a good thing for them in terms of one person for 20 files, right? You need more specialized handling where each attorney can know where they are at all times. Right, and
0: also what we've seen is you're not allowed to check into two different hearing points in the same time or even in the same part of the day. So there's a morning calendar, there's an afternoon calendar, and you can check into one hearing point for the morning. You gotta wait until the afternoon, then you can check into the the hearing part for the afternoon. But there's no, I'm checked into Uh, Benann's and I'm checked into Syracuse
2: right or at the very at the very least the judges don't know because the way it's been explained to us during one of the uh, training sessions was if you're checked in Benann's but you're also checked in in Hudson the judge won't know that you're waiting in in both places whereas if you're in Benann's for three hearings the judge will say oh Declan's got a hearing in part six he's got a hearing in part nine Mm -hmm. and then there's some leeway with how they're gonna call your cases
0: right so it's still seeming to us that there could be conflicts for an attorney because on the defense side where you might have cases in two different hearing points at the same time, you can't be checked into both of them, as far as we are seeing on our side of the system.
1: That's, yeah, that's that's fair. I think it, the safe thing is to make sure that you're not trying to be in multiple hearings. It can be achieved, I think. You know, If you get a case called on time at 9 a.m. and you have one at 11, then you could probably get by without having a, a conflict, but you know, if cases get backed up or if they have to be recalled, you run into a problem that you really can't fix by not being there, right? You know, somebody say, hey judge, I'm going to be in part three for, for 20 minutes, just hold on here. Whereas if judges don't know what's going on, as Declan pointed out, we run in, you could run into that problem.
2: And I think it's a good idea because, I mean, we see in court, especially claimants firms that might have a full calendar of 20, 30 cases in the morning, if you had hearings all over the state, I could just imagine how many cases they would have and nothing would get done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: All right, uh, let's talk a little bit about the technology, the underlying technology. It's basically WebEx, Right. right? Um, similar or the same system that was rolled out in Ohio years and years ago and then rolled back. Um, I was not able to find information about what system Florida is using, but as far as we know, there's no other system that's built on WebEx that's doing virtual hearings at this scale uh, like New York is. Generally speaking, and I mean, we did a lot here at the firm to upgrade our infrastructure, make sure we were ready for this, but generally speaking, I am not hearing from our trial attorneys problems, meaning computer glitches, technical
1: difficulties, pretty much working, is that fair? I think that's a way to pump your tech nerd up, right? Like, you're yeah. so happy. Yeah, a little bit, that, you know. Uh, you were there from the forefront. And yeah, that's what I mean.
0: What, what I mean is their side, too. I mean, right, I mean, are you- I would agree,
2: the, or... the only, the main errors that I've seen in in my hearings has been judge er- or judge's error or human error. Someone can't sign in properly or in one case the judge had an issue in the, with lighting in his room he went to another room and he called the hearing and of course the room is set up for virtual hearings i'm not going to be there because you're moved Your three term, doors on yeah right
0: yeah uh so human error aside we've generally been seeing the things go off uh there was some problems right at the very beginning with how do we get the recording right and that's a big difference so in the past we've always had a court reporter in the hearing point with us and it, it, you're watching this video and you've got attorneys working for you in many jurisdictions, I believe that utilizing the court reporter effectively, hey, on the record, off the record, uh, being friendly with the court reporter so that they take out all your mmm and "ah" and your, <laughs> you know, the silly things you might say to the side, you know, the court reporters they are actually shaping the record, right? Sure. We don't have that anymore.
1: Sure. Now, I mean, now it's digital record. That's a good point. I think, you know, obviously when you want to make sure that your argument or your objection gets noted. I'm always looking at the court reporter when I make that statement to make sure that he or she is typing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. putting it to the electronic recording, you really can't do anything. I, you know, I think that could be a drawback. Where now, I think we've been hearing sometimes the rumor is is if the, the recording gets lost, what, what happens then? Do we have to do that hearing again, and now each party doesn't have that surprise factor to make their argument.
2: It's it's interesting as to how those are going to be preserved. Yeah, I think because the board's been kind of silent as to how this. I mean. It's the fact that they're opening up every hearing point with virtual hearings tells me it's going well, but there has been some, as Christian said, rumors, um, lots of rumor mongering going around about how uh, did you hear about this situation Um, where the recording wasn't because there's no longer a court reporter. It's now all uh, DAR, digital audio recording. So apparently what happens when you sign in is the recording starts taking place and it records all parties in the room. And if there's only, even if it's just yourself, a judge, a claimant, and their attorney, that's still four possible people. If there's multiple carriers on, there may be 10 people in the room, it, it can be an issue sometimes I've heard for court reporters to when they have to transcribe the actual transcript to hear and make out who's talking at certain times.
1: Right. Because they actually control that, right? Like sometimes when two people are <clears> talking <throat> at once at a hearing, they actually stop it and say, hey, just right. one at a time right. so I can get it. Very vocally. <laughs> right. 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 But the DAR system has been in place before virtual hearings. so. I'm not I'm not too worried about the board's ability to preserve that. I would have imagined that they would have controlled that aspect before implementing the virtual hearings. I know in Jamaica there are a couple of judges who use DAR, even though Jamaica isn't currently virtual. So all right. So let me tell you about my nightmare situation that I always
0: dislike walking into. I walk into a trial situation where I'm gonna take some witness testimony, and all of a sudden we find out the witness is Estonian. Or Ukrainian or uh, some language that's not common now the judge has to get a translator on the phone right so now we're adding in another party and now you've got this translation going slowing down the record really making it more difficult have you guys done any virtual hearings yet where there's had to be translation done
2: uh, off the top of my head I do not believe so if I did it was a Spanish translator
0: Okay, which are relatively common and the board has the month speed dial basically.
1: Sure, I mean I, it would be the same service they would use for you know, an Estonian or maybe like a random dialect of a major language. I, I think the problem is, is actually more when you have like a coverage case, when you have multiple carriers appearing right. virtually. Because to the judge they have that big screen uh, where they see the virtual appearances and the only person that pops up is the person who's talking. Right. So then the screen might get a little glitchy based on if two people are talking over each other. It's really a, a, a problem of, I guess, form mm-hmm. uh, that could happen.
2: My favorite is when there's a claimant appearing virtually and they're on by phone, they're not in video, and all you see is just a giant C on the screen for claimants, and every time <laughs> they're supposed to talk, your screen's just taken over by a giant C. Hmm. <laughs> all
0: right. Uh, okay, so that's a little bit about our experience with it. Uh, we're gonna save a couple of comments at the end about uh, how we feel it's going uh, and how we think this is benefiting employers. This is a very busy screen that shows all of the uh, hearing points which are currently virtual. Uh, New York has divided up uh, our 31 courts or 26 courts. It's yeah 25 or 26. 26 courts into different districts and it looks like uh, most of the hearing points in the capital district are in it. Uh, Bemington district, uh, Brooklyn district, Rochester district Syracuse district we just wanted to note that there were some exceptions here so Albany Hudson Plattsburgh Kipsey, Saranac Lake uh, All currently 100% virtual Binghamton Elmira, Norwich virtual Brooklyn went virtual I believe in was it January January and that's November. been great our yeah. two full-time Brooklyn attorneys I think their life has improved dramatically from having to travel back and forth to court uh, Staten Island is went virtual after that I believe White Plains just went virtual a last week ago. Or, huh? yeah, yeah, May yeah. 14th yeah, yeah, went virtual. Right, last week. Um, Rochester's now virtual. Batavia, Syracuse, Utica, and Watertown. Not virtual yet, although uh, theoretically they would be. Um, uh, New City, I think, is in the White Plains district.
2: Yeah, well, I've heard rumors that New City within the next month will be going virtual, and it will be the judges will be sitting in White Plains, and they'll be virtually appearing, so you can show up in New City, or the claimants can show up in New City. Um, okay. New- I mean, that
0: makes it craziness that you're going to have a judge travel to White Plains to then appear virtually in another
2: courthouse. <laughs> okay, sure. And yeah. then uh, Newburgh, it's like everything else, just rumors, but the rumors are that the landlord up there won't let them put the but they <laughs> Basically, the technology they need in order to have this going to place. Again, this is all rumors, so <laughs> he who knows. What,
1: months what months a, power, a power trip. <laughs> <laughs> Man, <laughs> because he's going to get some
0: more rent out of them. Um, we know that in on June 13th, Buffalo, Jamestown is going to go 100% virtual. Um, all right, so now let's talk just briefly about uh, the places that are not announced. We know they're going to go virtual because the board has said, hey guys, everything's going virtual. We just don't know what date. So, Manhattan, which is Harlem, Queens, which is Jamaica, and the two Long Island, remaining Long Island hearing points, Hawthog and Garden City. And just to put this in sharp perspective, this is something like 70% of all of the volume in the entire workers' compensation system. Right, right? there's
1: a reason why these hearing points are are kind of last, right? It would affect the most people, uh, and you have, uh, especially in your city hearing points, not really the same real estate that you would have as far uh, as upstate, you know, the people are kind of crammed into to little rooms, you're talking about bringing in all this technology, uh, eventually it will be better, I think, but that's why these aren't the testing grounds for the virtual uh, hearing points.
0: Yeah, in this office, so we have four attorneys to go to Manhattan, Christian, uh, your team is two attorneys in Jamaica. Three now, actually. Three attorneys in Jamaica, right. <laughs> <laughs> and Long Island, we have two attorneys, so uh, that's nine people in our firm, I mean, that would be, when these place to go virtual, it's gonna make a big sea change difference Absolutely, here. we'll start seeing Absolutely. our colleagues more often. Um, so that's gonna be great.
2: I guess um, we'll presume that Manhattan probably will be last just based on sheer volume size. Queens is the biggest. Queens is the biggest, it's okay. Pure
0: volume. And I think Manhattan's the second biggest.
2: Long Island's busy too,
0: I mean, if you look at how many judges they have out in Long Island, it's not a joke. So, um, I, I, I agree with you 100% because I think there's a reason they say them for last, I think they're working out the kinks and right. they're gonna roll this in. All right, let's talk a little bit about the benefits to you, the employer, carrier, client, uh, as to why the system is good for you. Um, first of all, I think you've heard from us techno- technologically, it's working pretty much as
1: as it's supposed to, uh, pretty much. A little kinks here and there. I think it was an early fear, right? Like, you know, is it going to be up to par on our end there? And I, and I think it's been fine. Fear or fear mongering? Because I think change. a lot of attorneys who did not like the idea of change. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. Um, So the first benefit, I'll take this one because it's easy, um, and I like to take everything on that's easy, is basically you, the client, should be seeing no cost for travel back and forth to court. Um, It's not appropriate, in my opinion, to take every single case virtually, right? So we've got cases where we're putting on four or five witnesses, we think there might be a reason for us to be there in court, and we want to confront our adversarial witness in person, so we're picking and choosing, but really in the virtual hearing points, Uh, Since this is rolled out, and over the last six months or so, I think we're doing something like 90% of those hearings virtually, which I believe is inuring to the client's benefit in that you're not seeing bills for travel time, you're not seeing traffic, you're not seeing the wait time in the courtroom. You're still seeing the wait time uh, when we're waiting in the virtual hearing room lobby, waiting for that judge to hit the bell, we hear the ding, then we jump in and start going off to the races. Uh, but for that reason, so all that travel time back and forth, that's essentially eliminated. I think that's a really good benefit to the client. Um, so we should see that reduction. Now it's not going to be right in every case. I still think, hey, if I'm bringing in five witnesses or I need to confront my adversary with a lot of documents, there might be a tactical reason why I'd want to go to court.
1: I think our clients would want that as well. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe even for our own witnesses to kind of like, you know, hey, hey, it's going to be okay. Right and, you know, like as opposed to us appearing appearing by a uh, computer when they're there, it's that that construct is uh, a little problematic for us
2: but yeah. then the documents issue brings up the next one where if you don't bring if you want to present documents as a surprise factor and show it to someone for the first time, that's kind of been eliminated by this because uh under the new guidelines, which again, no regulations, nothing published, but under the guidelines on the board website, five days before a hearing all documentation is supposed to be in the board file so Um, You really are eliminating that surprise factor, and this the primary advantage for us is whenever we go to a hearing and claimants who haven't had medical evidence, we request a hearing to to suspend benefits or reduce benefits, Um, they show up with 45 documents that show they've been at the doctor every day for the past three months. Or work search. Or work search, yeah. They come with 90 job searches, and they expect you to cross-examine the claimant, and you've had the document for 30 seconds. So um, I've had judges that will basically say, I'm not reviewing this, I'll continue the matter, Um, Hopefully suspend benefits during the time being until you until the next hearing comes on you should have presented this five days before the hearing
1: Right, I think that could go both ways You know right if
2: we want to present a document at trial the five day rule could could really hurt the surprise
1: factor on our end Uh, but the more uh, more attachment uh, cases that are up there that really hurts the claimant side up-to-date medical evidence, right? You're not bringing in your your little document that says 100 on it uh, on the day of the hearing That's probably not going to fly as much as it does today right and getting incredibly tactical about that we had
0: a case in Brooklyn where we said you know what we're not going to appear in person because we're then going to rely on the fact that they have not submitted their document five days before the proceeding on purpose to then say tactically we can't proceed on this date or we've got to get this case pushed because we needed the continuance so using it tactically and the great part about that is you can wait really until the fifth or fourth day before the proceeding that document hasn't been submitted to EKs or been submitted to all parties. Awesome. Now you know you might have a tactical advantage to not appearing at that proceeding. So again, these aren't published rules. I wish they were because I like it when there's nice hard rules that we can start to play with. Uh, but uh, you know, just an interesting thought.
1: Well, doesn't mean that there's not, never going to be rules, right? So I mean, right. it still might. It still might happen down right. the line. Right. Um, right. And to that end, so.
0: What Florida did was they made sort of a basic rule that just says the judges can do anything they would do in a regular proceeding, they just have to do it online. Um, it's gonna be interesting to see if New York actually does do anything, make any changes. On the current regulatory agenda for this year, there is nothing proposed. So we all, And we also know, by the way, that no nothing gets passed until April, right, when the budget right. is coming to, right. so we might be that far away from finding out what the actual rules are. In the meantime, uh, it's, it's just interesting to watch this develop and, and build out. All right, the last benefit, I think it's a great benefit, uh, and I think there's many, maybe a couple sides to this, is the employer and carrier participation in the proceedings.
1: That's gonna be very interesting, right? Uh, you know, other participants is, I think, the category that are allowed to enter into the hearing. Uh, I think judges still have the discretion whether to allow them in. Right, right. So, so what we're talking about
0: really here is, you the carrier, you the self-insured employer, you the th- a third party administrator's employee, you the adjuster, right, coming to the proceedings, right? Because on the hearing notice, the little virtual hearing number, you can just type that into your WebEx and show up at the time. And right. you can identify yourself as an other participant and then allegedly be able to participate, which in the past was really not done. Like right. who's coming to all the hearings and just sitting there and sometimes the judge will say, like, no, no, I'm sequestering closing my courtroom. Absolutely. You can't yeah. just have your employers sitting there all you know all day
1: long. Right
2: to intimidate the claimant. Exactly. But it. exactly. well, it's no. kinda of hard to intimidate someone virtually. I mean exactly. I guess you I, still I can it's say interesting yeah.
0: for these employers who maybe now get to see how the sausage gets made. You'll get to see how your attorneys argue when you're not arguing, right? right. Um, I'm a little scared because I don't want my employers coming to course and blurting things out or all of a sudden, being subject to some random interrogation by either judge, <laughs> right. oh, well, did you? Were you guys open that day, or did, what? Were you paying them off the books? Like, no, <laughs> you know, I'm sorry, technical difficulties, you're out of here. You know that kind of thing. We, we don't have that control. Uh, but I'm thinking about other contexts. Uh, let's say there's a GL case pending, you know, a dual jurisdiction case, and now the GL attorney could sit in and watch the proceedings in Workers' Comp court. There's no reason not to. Um, you know, stuff like that. I think is could be quite useful to the employer and carrier. Other things like getting the DAR, the digital auto recording really quickly, getting it transcribed immediately and getting it to counsel in that other case. Again, I think that could be really useful if you're defending dual jurisdiction cases, uh, like many of our clients are. So those are just, I think, some thoughts about the benefits, but overall, uh, I am personally very bullish about this. I think this is a great thing for the system, certainly for us as a defense firm, because now we can defend our clients' interest across the entire state at the same time.
1: Yeah, if anything, I've gotten more uh, intrigued by it as it's, you know, gone on, because I've always felt, you know, is it really going to happen this quickly? And, you know, 16 out of 25 or 16 out of 26 are now virtual with two more coming next month. I mean, that would make all hearing points virtual on track by the end of the year almost. That's right. I don't know if it's actually going to happen. I mean, that's, that's again, a rumor, but the, the speed of getting all these hearing points linked up virtually is very impressive, actually. I don't normally say
2: that about The board. Yeah, when when they said we had to be complimenting (laughs) them right now. When they said they were gonna roll up this uh pilot program as they called it, I I just assumed that they're gonna open a couple of hearing points, let it sit for six months or a year and see how it goes. So I whenever they open up Menand, which is a hearing point I attend regularly, I was very surprised when like thirty days later they were already opening up Hudson and Mm -hmm. Poughkeepsie and all these other places. So Mm -hmm. um yeah, definitely the speed of it has been interesting to say the least. All
0: right. Um well, let's jump into some questions. Let's see if there are any questions. Okay. Okay, Pat asked the question, will your firm be able to represent carriers on cases further away than you're currently able to? Yeah, I think so. What a, a perfect good. question, Thanks, Pat. Pat. Thanks, really the exact on. reason why we're here. <laughs> <laughs> we, we like that idea, and yes, and I think in two contexts that makes a lot of sense. One, where we have a lot of specific knowledge about the employer's risk. Right, uh, a self insured employer or an employer who we've maybe spent a lot of time learning exactly about their case population, their risk population. We know their lingo, you know, we know what their safety program is, and we could probably leverage that across the state in a really
2: positive or good way for the employer. From the Canadian border on down. Exactly. I mean, they,
0: <laughs>
1: right. like, Plattsburgh is Canada. i sorry, like that's <laughs> basically Canada. Yeah. I think we've seen that a little bit already, right? You know, the, the hearing points where we don't. Uh, usually go to because of location, you know judges are starting to see that lowest attorney sign in And it's always just nice to shake things up and do things a little bit differently <laughs> compared yeah. to uh, our, our competitors So
0: well the other interesting thought about that is in the past I've had clients who said to me Craig I got a death case. It's in Syracuse I know you don't go to Syracuse, but I really want you to handle this death case for me in Syracuse and I'll say "Oh, Okay, you know, it's a one-off you have to understand that Syracuse is three and a half hours north here." You're gonna pay me $1,000 to drive there, a $1,000 to drive back or fly there and back for this. But they'll say, you know what, it's worth it because this death case, it goes the wrong way. We could be whacked for dependency benefits for 25 years. Okay, then you go to the Syracuse comp court, right? And there's a real danger there of being hometown. Because let's be very frank, in these little dinky these courts, boxes, you know, yeah. sorry, Syracuse with four or five judges, that's dinky compared to Jamaica. When you go to these hearing points, I'm nervous for my clients sometimes they'll say them I mean, you know we're not the right attorneys to handle that because you could get hometown there I think that is going to be actually diminished as a fear of being hometown because you know what there's i think you're gonna have people from everywhere appearing everywhere pretty much the judges are all going to be recorded there's no more off the record nonsense hey how was dinner last night at the club judge oh it was pretty good how was your golfing like all that stuff doesn't it can't happen now so really I think it kind of evens that playing field so that to me is always the caution, and I would give clients, like, yeah, we, if you need it handled a specific way, or you want to make a specific point, we could do it, comma, just be warned that nobody really likes somebody else coming and playing in their backyard. Right. Of, I story. mean, if we're
1: already having judges appear, appear from White Plains for claimants that go to the new city, or, or at least that's the plan, Right. then you could appear virtually for the defense in Syracuse, and your judge could be anywhere. Right. So, I mean, it kind of eliminates that. That bias that sometimes we we do perceive
2: that definitely happens more upstate. You have like judges in Binghamton appearing for Elmira, and then you're sitting down in Paramus. I had a case uh, we were talking about recently where the claimant was appearing virtually from Pennsylvania, I think Troy, Pennsylvania. Her attorney was sitting in the Elmira hearing point. The judge was sitting up in Binghamton, and I was sitting in our Paramus, New Jersey office. So we had people sitting in three different states. Um, so that just shows how this goes. But yeah, more so than if the judges in Binghamton they don't see the person in Elmira maybe so often.
0: Um, so thanks, Patrick, for that softball. Claudia asked the question: Will Jamaica be considered for virtual hearings? Yeah, we're anticipating that. I think I think that's right. I think yeah. we are expecting it to go virtual. We're expecting it to go out across the state,
1: and there doesn't seem to be any indication this is going to get rolled back. Right. I think you know, like we said, it's it's going to be one of those last hearing points that, that really take on the the, the virtual. Um, I guess nature of the hearing, because we want to make sure that all the other smaller hearing points are perfect before we go to Jamaica, Manhattan. But uh, that's definitely in the plans. I don't think the board would roll this out and then keep one hearing
2: point in person. And it sounds like by the end of the, everything's by the end of the year. So maybe even December twenty seventh, twenty eighth. You're slamming that in for the last possible opening up. That's right. It's like, do you ever think that you would want me on your file, but you can't have me?
1: Now you can. Okay.
0: And Angela asked a question,
1: uh, this is an interesting question,
0: and it's actually one I've pondered. When you take questions, Greg, can you answer this one? Are adjusters able to become licensed hearing reps now that the hearings are virtual? So two points there. Yeah, an adjuster can become a licensed hearing rep. You could do it now, no big deal. Uh, It's relatively simple, and judging by the types of people, and I'm using air quotes here and making a weird phase, that we see as licensed hearing reps. I'm not impressed with them, so there doesn't seem to be any standard in the state of New York to become a licensed hearing rep. Uh, certainly, we see all kinds. Uh, unfortunately, hearing reps cannot represent carriers or employers. Uh, that's the distinction. So yeah, you could represent claimants as a hearing rep, but you can't represent the carrier as an employer as a hearing rep. So not probably not gonna be very useful uh, to have your uh, adjusters become hearing reps because they will not be able to advocate for you before the board. Um, All right, Uh, that's it. We had three questions. So thanks everybody for asking questions. If you have any other questions, please feel free to email us uh, or call us and we'll be happy to answer them for you. All right, I think that pretty much wraps this one up. Thank you everybody for joining us. Again, if you have any questions about virtual hearings or having us handle one of your cases virtually, we're very happy to do it. We think this is a great opportunity for us Uh, to handle most cases across the state of New York. Thanks for joining us. Have a great week. Bye, everybody.